Welcome to Stony Creek United Methodist Church. I'm Pastor Michael. I'm very happy to see you here on this second Sunday of Easter. Remember, Easter is not just a day, it is a season. Um, and we'll get into that more later. But a um, couple of quick things before we get started. Uh, we have a board of directors meeting this Wednesday at 6.30. Um, so if you're on the board of directors, uh, please do your best to be there. 
Um, if you're not in the Board of Directors and you want to know what that's all about, please feel free to come and chat with me and I'll tell you all about it. Um, do you have anything fun to share? Fun? Well, or interesting or <laughs> well, diabolical, uh, whatever. Diabolical. There we go. Okay. Um, so thank you for the lovely Easter breakfast and we had a great time. It was nice to see so many people in the church. And uh, this Friday is going to be our play day. We've got some special activities planned, and if you happen to see some bird feeders out in the trees in front, we'll try not to disturb the buds on them, but we'll be making some bird feeders. The lunch is going to be next Wednesday at 11.30 at the Olive Garden. Still think we should go to the olive tree. Yeah, we, if we can find an olive tree, we could see, but it's somewhere between a dollar tree and an olive. So, well, no, no, no. The olive tree is that hotel in, in Jerusalem. It's oh, gorgeous. Okay. Just take us a while to get there. Yeah, it would. It would. And then um, we'd like to start doing the potlucks again every month. Um, however... Uh, some of us are getting really tired. Some of us that are, a lot of us that are over 70 have been trying to step back a little bit because especially after the cleaning, if you haven't seen the kitchen, it sparkles. Okay, we were here Friday sparkling away. And um, we're just getting, it's hard to move. It's hard to get down on your knees. It's hard to stand, it's hard. So uh, if somebody, uh, maybe a few people would like to get together, it's really just picking a date, putting a sign-up sheet out there, and then going for it. And then we can get maybe back into doing the um, fire, fire, the fire. Campfire, that would be it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, that's about it. Questions? Yep. Go ahead. How are you? Oh. Uh, we don't have anybody for May yet to, to do the ushering. Uh, there's not much of a room out there on that piece of paper, but it does say May on the bottom. So you can just put your name alongside of it, and we'll go from there. Okay. Anybody got anything else? Once, twice, sold. Fantastic. All right, so that's some of the business, some of the ministry, some of the fun we have here. Um, I'd ask you now, please turn your hearts and minds towards a time of worship. Uh, our praise band is going to get us started this morning with a song from the Black Hymnal, The Faith We Sing. So if you could grab one of those near you, it's the thin black one, and it's number 2172, We Are Called. And please rise as you are able. <clears throat>
you may be seated. If that doesn't make you happy, I don't know what will. So, the next song, um, the number you have may or may not be number 58, but 58 is what we are singing. That is in your red folder, 58 in Christ Alone. Now, okay, um, in our opening prayer, if you'll recite with me as it's printed, God of signs and wonders, you have revealed to us that Jesus Christ is your Son and our Savior. Strengthen our faith that we may have life in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. 
Beloved siblings, in Christ Jesus, we have no good apart from God. Therefore, let us keep God at the forefront of our minds and give generously from what we have been given, that others may also receive from the fullness of God. If you would rise as you are able and join in singing our doxology number 95 in the Red Hymnal. Generous God, you are our portion and our cup. In you, our hearts are glad, our souls rejoice, and our bodies rest. Bless and multiply our offerings and pledges, that they may bring the joy of your presence more deeply into the world. Amen. You may be seated. It is now a time for all of God's children. I'd like to invite all of our children and youth to come hang out with me for a few minutes. But remember, you are all children of God. You are all welcome to come and hang out. And if you want a sucker, you definitely have to come and hang out. <laughs> yeah, we'll work that out. Good morning. How's everybody doing? I love your outfit, very nice. Yours too, yes. She's got a better headpiece though. I all right, so today we are going to learn about a story that happened after Jesus rose from the dead, after the resurrection. Do you guys know what happened after the resurrection? No. Did anybody tell you the, the, the spoiler? No. No? Okay, good. All right, so the story is called Emmaus. And there's these... These two people here, who do you think that is? Mary. No, he, Jesus. Jesus, that's right, it's Jesus. Okay, so I want to read you the story. You ready? 
a man named Calapis and his friend were walking from Jerusalem to the town of Emmaus. As they walked, a stranger began walking with them. What are you talking about? asked the stranger. Calapis said, we were talking about Jesus. He was killed three days ago, but this morning the women went to Jesus' tomb and he wasn't there. Angels told them that Jesus is alive. The stranger said, the prophets used to talk about a savior who suffered and then entered glory. The stranger began explaining all the things that were written by the prophets. When they got to Emmaus, the friends invited the stranger to eat with them. When dinner was ready, the stranger took the bread, broke it, and blessed it. Then, when he did this, the friends recognized him. It was Jesus. As soon as they recognized Jesus, he disappeared. The friends got up quickly and returned to Jerusalem to find the other disciples. They told the disciples, Jesus really has risen. So I wonder, what's your favorite part of that story? Yeah. When he broke the bread in half. Yeah, when he breaks the bread, yeah. When what? We have to say the same thing. Okay. Anybody else got a favorite part of the story? Was there any leftovers? Well, you know, considering how he fed the 5,000, I'm going to guess there probably were. All right. Can you guys join me in a repeat after me prayer? All right. You ready? Dear God. Dear God. Thank you. For helping us believe in your, sorry, believe in you through Jesus. Amen. All right, we got to do one more thing, Lord's Prayer. You ready? We got this? All right, yeah, the adults forget the words sometimes. We got to help them. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you guys so much for coming and hanging out. You can have a sucker if you want one. <laughs> you could have sat in the pew, I mean. All right, if the rest of you would rise as you are able for our next hymn number 327, Crown Him with Many Crowns.
seated. Now is the time that we bring before God and God's people the things that weigh upon our hearts and our minds as well as those who give us cause for celebration. Do we have any joys or concerns we'd like to lift up aloud this morning? Um, Jean had, Hellesermann had her surgery on Monday and um, it ended up being a little bit more extensive when they went in to work on the hip. It basically was disintegrated and they had to do more replacement. It, she, en she has ended up in a cast from her hip to her knee on her right leg and her left leg is in a brace from her knee, from her hip to her knee. Uh, she's n not very mobile at all. Uh, the doctor informed us that it is going to be a long recovery. Uh, she's out at Ready Center right now in room 1015, and uh, I'm sure she, <laughs> she's, she made the it quite clear she wanted a room near the nurses station. <laughs> And she can see the nurse's station from her room. And as her brother Dan told her, and they can see you too, Jean. <laughs> so so uh, it, it will be an experience for all. <laughs> Just an update on Leon. He is, um, as you know, home, uh, ornery as ever. We have our ups and downs. Some days are good, some days are better, some days are terrible. Um, he was doing quite well until he had his last port put in the opposite arm. So um, he's kind of coming back from that, um, back to his orneriness again. So we're doing the best we can. Our, all your prayers are accepted and wonderful. Thank you. I think what I heard you say is that Ornery's good. <laughs> that means he's doing pretty good. Seems like I've been moving forever, but it will be official Thursday. The movers come, they take the bed. Well, that means I'll be staying. And some people have asked for a new address. Uh, telephone will be the same, uh, email the same. And I'll put out, or rather I'll probably have Sue Adamski put out to everybody the new address. Uh, and also, uh, if anyone hasn't been caught up, Dorothy Newman has left the hospital and she's now at American Place, which is very close to where she was before. And she's already had supper with Laurel Wilson one night. So we'll also put out Dorothy's new telephone number and her new address. Uh, I would encourage cards to let Dorothy know that our, her church family hasn't forgotten her. And thank you. And I'm, someone said, are you still coming? Uh, Stony Creek is my church. I will be back, whether you want me or not. <laughs> we want you. Yes, we want you. So I have a praise. Uh, some of you know that I grew up in Illinois. My mom, Mardell Rankin, lives in Springfield, Illinois. And I am happy to report that today she is 84 years young. So hooray. And Rich and I get to travel at the end of the week. We're going to visit with her and my sisters next weekend, so we will be um, out for, I think, two Sundays, but we will return after that, but we will be traveling, and if you could pray for safe travel and good visits, that would be appreciated. Is there a town in Illinois named Rankin? Is that after the family? Not that I know of. No, there is a lot of towns with names in Illinois. Just going to leave it there. Anybody else? All right. If you would turn to uh, hymn number 177 in your hymnals for our invitation to prayer, He is Lord. <laughs>
If you would join me in an attitude of prayer. Resurrecting God in a doubting world, keep us in faith that we may have life. We pray for the church universal. Breathe on us your Holy Spirit that we may honor and pass on the great inheritance we have received. Keep us in faith that we may have life. We pray for Mother Earth that we may touch her wounds with healing care and love. Keep us in faith that we may have life. We pray for the whole world, its nations, its leaders, and its people, that your wisdom and peace may prevail. Keep us in faith that we may have life. We pray for all of those in need, the suffering, the oppressed, the ill, the dying, and all those who care for them. We especially lift up Jean and Leon in their recovery from their injuries and illnesses. We lift up Dorothy as she is now out of the hospital and in a new home. Keep us in faith that we may have life. We pray for ourselves, our families, and those we love. We especially name Teresa's mom who turned 84. We ask for travel mercies as we go about our days, whether going long distances to be with our friends and loved ones or even just moving about in our local community. We also ask for a calm and peaceful move for Fonda this Thursday. And may her new living quarters become more than that. May they become the perfect home for her. Keep us in faith that we may have life. Blessed are you, O God, who through Jesus Christ crucified and risen and in the community of the Holy Spirit gives us an inheritance that is imperishable and unfading now and forever. Amen. And if you would please join me in our prayer for illumination. Guiding God, send your Holy Spirit upon the reading of your word, that it may serve to show us the path of life and lead us into your presence where there is a fullness of joy. Amen. I invite all of you that might like to follow along, you'll find our first scripture reading this morning on page 1693. Uh, this is the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, and then we get to Peter addresses the crowd. We'll be reading 14, a, and then we'll be reading 22 through 32. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and acknowledgement and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep his hold on him. 
I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of this fact. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. At this time, I invite you to stand if you'd like to, if you're able, and join us in singing hymn number 304, Easter People, Raise Your Voices, page 304, stand if you can. seated. Our second scripture reading for this morning can be found on page 1075 in the Bibles and the Pews. We are continuing in the Gospel of John chapter 20, picking up right where we left off uh, last week. Uh, we are starting at verse 19, going through verse 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, 
and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not yet seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you would please join me once again in an attitude of prayer. Loving and patient God, we are so thankful that you do not place the unrealistic expectations upon us that we place on each other and on ourselves. You continue to love us and never give up on us, even when it seems like we have given up on you. Help us in our times of unbelief and guide us in our strongest moments of our belief to help others and share the good news of your unconditional love and freely given grace for all creation. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together in this place be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning once again to you all. It is wonderful to have you with us worshiping today, whether in person or virtually. You are each a blessing to this world, and I am thankful for you all, beloved siblings in Jesus Christ, grace-bestowed children of our loving God. This morning, we are going to begin our new sermon series that will go from today through Pentecost Sunday. For these next seven weeks, we are going to be sharing our time with the series called Building Blocks. In this series, we're going to be utilizing some of the stories of the early church that help to teach us about the fundamentals of faith. Last week, Easter Sunday, began the season often called the Great 50 Days, which goes through Pentecost Sunday, just like the series will. As I kind of said in the beginning of the service, sometimes we tend to think of Easter Sunday and the season of Easter as the same thing. But the season of Easter, or the feast of Easter, is what makes up the great 50 days. During this season, there is no fasting, like we would sometimes see in Lent. Back in 325 AD at the Council of Nicaea, Christians were directed to pray standing. Now, a quick history point. The first Council of Nicaea was a council of Christian bishops that convened in the first attempt to attain consensus in the church through an assembly representing all Christen Christendom. It's a hard word to say. Also, during these great 50 days, the word Alleluia is said or sung repeatedly, which is in sharp contrast with the season of Lent when the word Alleluia is typically omitted completely from liturgy and music. Now, during the great 50 days, the scripture selections include both stories that we expect, like Doubting Thomas, and some stories that we may overlook, like Paul preaching in the... I'm going to butcher this one, preaching in the Aeropagus, Aeropagus, one of those. Pretty much what it is, though, is a prominent rock outcropping uh, located near the northwest of the Acropolis in Athens, Greece. And it was used as a forum for the rulers of Athens to hold trials. Uh, they would debate there and discuss other important matters. Some of these stories take place chronologically after Pentecost, even though the season builds towards the events of Pentecost. And one of the questions we're going to be considering throughout this series is, what commitments are foundational to our Christian identity? 
We believe in what we cannot see. We experience the resurrected Christ. We learn to share in community and and ask questions as we grow in faith. We draw connections for those with other beliefs. We draw strength from shared prayer. And we value all people as a part of the body of Christ. This morning, as we focus our attention on the words of John's gospel that I just read to you, we begin our series with a message titled, Becoming a Believer. In verse 29, Jesus says, Blessed are those who have faith, but have not seen. Ouch. Those are some, those are some hard words. The Revised Common Lectionary includes this story every year. And over time, we may begin to feel sympathetic to Thomas. Thomas is an interesting figure throughout John's Gospel. In one appearance in chapter 14, he is shown as a person who asked questions for clarification. In verse 5 of that chapter, he says to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? But then a few chapters after that, or sorry, rather before that, in chapter 11, we find a Thomas who is ready to die beside Jesus as they return to Bethany to see Lazarus and Mary and Martha. He shows no fear of the persecution he expects them to face if they return seeing as that when they left, things weren't really going so hot. And you know, as humans who experience life differently from one another based on a myriad of factors, we often understand things differently, which should be expected. Some of us get faith with our minds, and others with their hearts, and still others with both. Now, in the case of Thomas, he wanted to see for himself. He stood in for other people who wanted to see the marks too. People who were not there when Jesus came right through those locked doors. And John's gospel assures us it is true, all true. And John persists in offering evidence precisely because people, not just Thomas, but because people doubted. But then the story grew stale. Others denied it. At least 60 years had gone by after Jesus' death before John's gospel appears in history. The early church was looking for Jesus to return but he had not come back to them yet. The faithful needed to find a new way to understand his life and his death and his resurrection. And they could find it in this story of the disciples in the days following the resurrection. Ten of them, and some of the women uncounted and unnamed, ten of them saw the risen Christ, And then a week goes by. Something tells me that that was a very, very, very long week for them. They must have begun to wonder whether they were really reliable witnesses to their own experience. Did they hear his words about peace and then calm down? Did they grieve him again? coming to the crushing realization that the risen Lord could not remain with them forever as he had before his death? Did they question each other, retelling the stories of Mary in the garden and Jesus in the upper room, even going so far as to ask each other, do you remember exactly what he said next? And I cannot speak for all of you, But I definitely feel some sympathy for Thomas. For centuries, Thomas has gotten a bad rap. He has been the subject of calling out people's faith struggles 
instead of trying to help them through those struggles. And in general, he has been held just slightly above Judas in the list of the disciples based on their contributions and support of Jesus, or at the least, the presumed and often misunderstood contributions and support of Jesus. Thomas lived through that time in a different kind of tension, though. He lived through that time understanding that the other disciples must have seen something. But at the same time, Thomas must have also felt hurt to be the only one who saw no sign. During a time when the disciples were already feeling isolated as they hid away out of fear for their very lives, Thomas was also feeling isolated from the others because he had missed the special event. He was the only one who wasn't there for it. But then Jesus appears again, and he asks Thomas, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. After missing out on seeing Jesus the first time, now he gets to see him, and this is what his teacher and Lord says to him? Double ouch. But, but are we reading and understanding this interaction, how it really happened? It's easy for us to default to reading Jesus' encounter with Thomas as as a scolding, especially because I think that is how it has been represented for a very, very long time. How dare Thomas demand to see and touch the marks of the nails? So much of how we understand these stories, especially the most famous or most well-known ones, depends on the tone in which we hear them. Is it possible that Christ was not, in fact, dismissing Thomas? Or for that matter, not dismissing us either when, when we want some proof that we matter to Jesus? Consider the words this way, spoken kindly, lovingly. Better to be one who does not need proof but Thomas, if you need to, put your hands here. At that moment, Thomas believes. It is better to be the one who does not need proof. It's cleaner, it's easier. But it's also harder to be that one. Here is Thomas in the gospel representing all of us in our moments of doubt. And Jesus doesn't cast him out. Jesus doesn't dismiss him, pushing him off to the side or into some darkened corner of the room and ignore him for the rest of his time with them. No. Jesus meets us where we are. Jesus comes back that second time so Thomas can see him. Jesus comes back to Thomas and shows the marks of love. A love that does not stop even when we stumble or doubt. Amen. I invite you to rise as you are able for our closing hymn number 89 in the red hymnals, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee.
Beloved children of God and siblings in the resurrected Lord, trust and love the Christ you cannot see and let that bring you joy for that faith will bring the salvation of your soul. And now may the God who loves and resurrects give you a goodly portion of the Holy Spirit and new birth into a living hope. Amen. Thank you.